Welcome back to Lobby Concessionals, the movie podcast where nobody's right and everybody's wrong. I'm Parker, and that's Brendan. Uh, follow us along, like and subscribe. We're on YouTube, we're on Spotify, we're on Amazon Podcasts, we're on Apple Podcasts. Uh, Napster. Maybe? LimeWire. <laughs> uh, Lime yeah, check LimeWire. Yeah, hit us up. Pass us along to all your ICQ friends. <laughs> Burn a mixtape. Uh, uh, yeah. Today, we want to take a quick look at some, or not a quick look, you know, like a, a normal never look. Never yeah. quick. <laughs> uh, a normal look at some film genres. Um, what I thought was interesting while I was kind of looking around about this is I had looked at a, I found a chart, uh, which is very interesting in itself. Charts, <laughs> love charts. Um, that took a look at film genre popularity uh, for the past hundred years. Um, and specifically... Uh, just to kind of give a caveat, looked at from 1910 to 2018. Um, and it's, uh, these numbers are based on the percentage of films uh, released in that year uh, or decade or whatever um, that had uh, that genre tag on IMDb. So, you know, if any movie has a comedy tag on IMDb, this chart would say that, you know, I don't know. 20% of movies released this year were comedies. Even if, you know, they're tagging, I don't know, someone incorrectly tagged Schindler's List with a comedy tag, right? <laughs> had to, you know, do, had to pick Schindler's <laughs> List. <laughs> I'm not saying that's what happened. I'm just saying that theoretically, you know, you have to kind of keep some of these numbers with a bit of a grain of salt. The cool thing is, though, is looking over the full um, century, you kind of get an idea of... Um, of when certain genres have been popular, uh, which have stayed popular, which are consistently. Um, so I have a couple uh, ones I'd like to hear from you about, Brendan. Um, uh, comedy, for instance, has stayed pretty consistently sure. popular. Like basically the same number uh, for that whole century. Yeah. So percentage of films released in a year, how many do you think would be classified as comedies? As comedies in yeah. a year? Uh, and then we're talking, and we're talking the whole time. So 1910 to 2010 is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. And basically, with you know, like I don't know, five percentage points, plus or minus, um, they it stayed with it at the same number. Oh, so there hasn't really been big peaks or big lows for it. Uh, okay. So I doing like mental math. Mm-hmm. You know, I know there's not four genres of movie, but it feels like there's just four genre of movie. So the sure. safe bet would be. 25 to 30 percent would be comedy uh yeah and you're you're a little low potentially um uh, it, low yeah i have it 30 to 40 percent whoa um, which doesn't surprise me it, no i guess it does like honestly when i think of most new films that come out sure. you can classify a whole bunch of the, you know like famously the martian was classified as a comedy for the golden globes that's a different conversation uh, <laughs> and like it's a very funny movie there is plenty of jokes in that movie yeah. um but it's not a comedy however should it have a comedy tag as well as, you know, five other tags on IMDb? Maybe. Like, I don't know if I'd be totally upset about having that tag there. Sure. I'm weirded out that it's put under the comedy <laughs> slash musical. Uh, you know, granted, Martian's great. Happy that it got an award. You know, it wouldn't have won in the drama category. <laughs> but, like, come on, guys. Anyway. Um, uh, what about uh, war films? 
uh, war, war films. films. It, it has not stayed consistent. I've, no. So, I mean, actually, you know what? My question is, what do you think? When do you think the most popular time for war films is in the last hundred years? The most popular decade. The most popular decade for war films? Yeah. In my mind, it would probably be the 60s and the 70s. Shockingly, the 40s. The 40s, like right after the war. And during. And during. During. So I actually think my, my guess is, and it's hard to tell, it's a graph, right? You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but my guess is it's propaganda stuff. Uh, so there was a bunch of war films yeah, that, that makes were, sense. you know, they that promote rah, rah. That you makes know, sense. Let's go to yeah, war yeah, kind okay. of stuff. Um, and then I assume immediately afterwards we are, there's probably a flood of, you know, this is what war is actually like kind of films. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, and so it only ever peaks at uh, 14%. So 14% of films released in a year. And that's in the um, 40s. And that's in the 40s. And, and it must crater to like... <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like... And it basically stays at like 3 to 5% for the rest of it. Uh, that's actually higher than I would think. Yeah. <laughs> but like... <laughs> um, uh, what's other one here? Sci-fi. Uh, sci-fi was consistent. Where... How many movies do you think in the last century have uh, are released what percentage of movies are released in a year do you roll sci-fi in with fantasy or is this separate um it is separate it's separate it is separate sci-fi by itself i'd i'd put it in the 20 percent mate way wrong way wrong two percent two that shocked me so i don't know again if that's just the data is wrong um, but at the same time, there isn't that many sci-fi movies released in a year, really. I guess so. I, I in my mind, I guess uh, genre films all um, automatically go into there somewhere. Like uh, sure, uh, all the superhero movies would be sci-fi. Yeah, and you know? I and I am curious to see actually what the, where those did end up. Uh, yeah, I should have looked those up on IMDb actually. Damn. <laughs> um, uh, so in that same vein, then fantasy. What would you say? Again, stay pretty consistent for the stay last pretty consistent. Century. If fan, if sci-fi is that low, in my mind, in my mind, sci-fi and fantasy were always like lumped together. Sure. Right. So if I said, if I said twenty percent for sci-fi, in my mind, maybe that was sci-fi and fantasy. So what I would do is, if you took out the five percent of sci-fi, I would be like 20 percent for fantasy. Okay. Okay. That's a reasonable <laughs> uh, thing. That's a you know. Yeah. That's logical. That's, I, I see the some, There's some logic there. Apparently, we're sitting at four percent, which what? also <laughs> shocks me. Um. So Just combined, they make nine percent. Yeah, that's a lie. Yeah, like <laughs> it, it. And again, I don't know. It, it could just be that they um. Like they're pretty vague categories. It's not like we have a superhero film category or anything in here. Sure. And I, but I don't even see an action film. Like they, it wasn't like action was a general category. We had like comedy, war, romance, crime, sci-fi, musical, fantasy, documentary, and horror. Oh. Um. So I don't weird. even really know where lots of films would go. Yeah. Specifically. Um. The only other thing that I found was really interesting here is uh. Uh, documentaries have had a um, at, at some point in there there was a, a peak um, and when do you think that would be like what era what time uh, the advent of Netflix <laughs> yeah basically <laughs> um, I, it's a little bit earlier than that so yeah. it, it shoots up from about 5% um, in the 90s it shoots up to 25% and stays about there yeah um, and I, I think my guess is, is it's because that's when film uh, making equipment starts being cheaper. So yeah. it's literally just you can buy a digital camera, and then 
anyone can make a documentary now. Yeah. Um, so Another thing to blame to James entry. Cameron for. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, anyone can make one, which I think is really cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, so while I was looking at this, what I've always heard, what I've always found interesting was Westerns. Uh, and I've always sort of heard that in uh, all the Hollywood Westerns were crazy. You know, like yeah. it, they were just grinded out like like bonkers, you know. Um, and... Uh, and then we don't have Westerns really anymore. Um, and I think that's on some ways true. Like, there definitely used to be, there was a heyday of Western films and there sure. is definitely less. However, when I took a look into it, apparently in like classic Hollywood, which I think is the 40s to the 60s, maybe 30s to the 60s. Yeah, I think it's in talkie era. So that's like classic Hollywood yeah. studio system. Um, maybe even the 70s, but it probably depends on who you talk to. Um, only 7% of movies that are released are Westerns, which seems a little low to me. I wonder if you, like, if you, if you took away like the seventies and the sixties and had to just in the thirties to the fifties, if that number doesn't shoot up really high. Yeah. Yeah, it could. Right? Absolutely. Um, yeah, it could just be that we're looking at the full yeah, era yeah, yeah. as opposed to when it's during its heyday. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Um, the other thing that I thought was interesting is from 1930 to 1960, only 21 of the top 300 grossing movies are Westerns. 21 of the top 300, 300. for that 30-year period. So, like, the heyday of Westerns. Yeah. Um, so, it, what that seems to imply, and maybe I'm, you know, like, <laughs> this, this, I might be reaching here. But it seems to imply to me that, that Westerns are popular. They are seen but they're not massive. You know, we don't have a no. situation like, I don't know, an Avatar or a, uh, you know, Endgame where it's everyone's seen it. You know, like, so in some ways, it, it, it might have been that the market was a little flooded, even though it wasn't that yeah. flooded. Um, but just that, you know, people didn't feel like they needed to see every Western um, or that you got certain things out of some that other people didn't. And so, like, they were never big blockbusters. No, you know? and they're still niche, right? At the end of the day, it's still a niche genre in a in a, in a sea of niche genres. Yeah, totally. Right? So, uh, and, and they were, at the time, I, I think they were just cheaper to make. So the flood of them is just because studios could make a buck. Well, and I guess that's a good point, is that, you know, they don't have to hit the top 300 grossest, or no. uh, top grossing movies. Um uh, 300 grossest movies is a bit different than 300 <laughs> top grossing movies. So I need to make that distinction. Um, but they don't have to hit that in order to be profitable and still be a worthwhile venture for the studio. You know? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. especially when it's they're dirt cheap to make. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, effectively dirt cheap. Yeah, you put in 100 grand and make back 200 grand, you're good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, I did actually read too that uh, apparently that's why uh, Hollywood is where it is. Um, like physically located there is that um, uh, Westerns at the time, which were popular, or that's one of the theories, uh, is that it was easy to move to uh, L.A. because it's easy to shoot around there. Oh, that so makes sense. That's cool. Access to locations. Yeah. Um, and so it's, yeah. You would have thought Arizona. Yeah, more, but I don't think they desert. wanted that either. <laughs> you know, like they wanted it to still be like beachy if they could have yeah. it. Yeah. Well, I know? guess if you're if you're filming stuff Gold Rush era and whatnot, anyways, then that's where you'd be. Yep, it would yeah. be historically accurate yeah. too. So, um, but anyway, part of the reason I 
launch into all of this is I find the concept of genres interesting, the concept of, of genre life cycles and, and sure. evolutions interesting. Uh, and partially I find it interesting because I love superhero movies and <laughs> that conversation about the superhero genre and is it a genre and, um, you know, is it a bubble has been pretty prolific. Um, I found conversations and articles online uh, as early as I think 2011 was the first earliest <laughs> one I found, which is shocking to me given that at that point, three years into the Marvel universe in the Marvel universe. Granted, I think our very first superhero film, like I guess we can go back to the seventies, right? With Superman. Yeah. Um, but we start getting into more modern superhero films with blade X-Men and Spider-Man. I yeah. think the fact that those sort of three are out in and around the same time. Blade is 97, isn't it? Isn't that the first one? Uh, 98. 98. Yeah. Um, and then I think it's Spider-Man is 2001 and X-Men is 2000, isn't it? Uh, X-Men is 99. 99. I believe. I believe, yeah. So all sort of right in there. Yeah. Um, and, and it's that modern age of, of superhero films. But even then, we're talking about you know, 10, 12 years removed from that, from the very first inklings of you know, modern superhero films. Yeah. That people are already like, oh, it's a bubble. You know? <laughs> You're like, it's before the first Avengers is out. Yeah. And they're saying this is too much. You know, like I, I understand people have a concern with the fact that we get, I don't know, three or four, typically three, I think, MCU movies, not counting Disney Plus properties. Sure. Um I think the year. most we've had in a year is four. I think four, yeah, but I think they're they're aiming for three now. Like yeah. it looks like based on release schedule, it's three a year from the MCU. Um, we were previously getting, I'd say fairly consistently, like a DC film a year or maybe every two maybe, years. Yeah. Um, uh, and then usually there's something else superhero related. Like we had Kick-Ass and Kick-Ass 2 for a little while there. Um, <laughs> uh, Kingsman is sort of superhero-esque. Like Wanted it, and yeah, things of that nature. You know, yeah, so yeah. I would say you're probably looking at at least four movies a year that are like, at the very least, superhero adjacent. I think we were, we're probably more now. Yeah? I mean, the, if you think about DC alone this year coming up, I think there's three. What do we have coming up? Three? Flash, Aquaman, and Black Adam. Oh, sorry. We're talking 2023? Yeah. No, oh. no, no. 2022, I think. 2022. I think those, all three of them are coming out. I'm pretty sure. Or wow. or even if they're not, like that's still a 12-month window where three of them it are is. coming out, plus four, three to four Marvel movies, plus a new Spider-Verse movie. Uh, yeah. Now we're starting, you know. Oh, that's the other big one. Yeah, it's the Sony and the Sony side stuff, of it. Yeah, right. Yeah, so yeah. like, it, it's we're we're talking like one a month. So like, I understand. <laughs> Not one. Okay, hold on. It feels like it. <laughs> um, so I understand yeah. why people are think there's maybe a bubble or there's a um uh issues with it, but. 2011, we're getting... No, no. But now we're talking about the evolution of that. Like having a studio come in, kick the door down, and changing the way films are distributed, made, and and viewed, really, at at the end of the day, right? Like, you know, nobody had ever attempted the the tying all that universe stuff together. So so now we're looking at a couple movies a year. And even if they're, you know... It's one thing to be like, that's a Batman movie, and then there's a Superman movie. But it's another thing to be like, that's a Thor movie and a Captain America movie, but I have to watch both. Well, you don't have to. You, but you do. <laughs> <laughs> that's the, and, but that's the thing. is like, you don't have to. And everybody can say that as much as they want. 
But how do you watch an Avengers movie and you haven't watched the first Captain America Thor movie? I, you know, <laughs> as a person that watches every single one of those things multiple times, um, uh, I and I understand that I am a hypocrite sitting here <laughs> for what I'm about to say, but um, but I honestly believe you can watch those movies. No, as, no, no, no. Like I, I'm not saying structurally you couldn't, but culturally you couldn't. There's a there's a pressure to 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 make that stuff. A priority. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Right, fair enough. like uh, all of a sudden you're you're one of three people who haven't watched Avengers because you didn't watch Iron Man two. Like that's a <laughs> yeah, I guess right. And it's not that you had to, you don't have to watch Iron Man two at all. Yeah, you don't. Uh, but there's a weird thing about it's, it's that weird FOMO thing. Yeah, uh, to to not be a part of the Zeitgeist or the 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 thing at the time. That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, and th- yeah, there is a little bit of a level of of being required to watch it. And yeah. um, I, I guess you know, like my TikTok is flooded with um, uh, whatever the latest Marvel thing is. Currently, when we are filming this, it is Moon Knight. But um, it'll pivot uh, to it Doctor Strange be, in two weeks. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it won't be that by the time this episode is released. Um, so I always kind of just chalk that up to. Like TikTok was smart enough to figure out that I liked those things, and it just fed me more of them. But it is interesting that uh, you know, there's that song that's featured. I think it's by uh, something Humperdink is the guy's name. Um, Engelbert. Engelbert. Engelbert Humperdink is his name. You're yeah. correct. Um, and it's his song is suddenly popular now because it was featured on the first episode of Moon Knight, and that's insane to me. <laughs> So I literally saw he has a TikTok now where he <laughs> it's literally just the back of him and his song's playing. It's his in back of his head. And he's like, is this my song? And then he turns around and he goes, yes, yes, it is. And it's supposed to be, supposed to be this reveal. And it's the real Engelbert Humperdinck? It is. It's the dude. <laughs> and it's funny because no one knows who he is. So no. it's sort of like a dramatic reveal. But it's like, well, but the audience you're reaching out to in TikTok here does not know who you are. Yeah, so this yeah. dramatic reveal isn't clear unless you had a name tag that said, my name is Humperdinck. Humperdinck, you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, uh, I, I know what you're saying. Yeah. I, I think what's interesting is uh, I'm just going to do a, I'm going to rant a bit about uh, TikTok. No, Film Studies 101. <laughs> Uh, as much as I love talking about TikTok, um, when I had done some film courses, I one of the things we talked about was the film genre cycle. Uh, are you familiar with this? I am, but I want to hear you say it. Uh, well, I'm going to say it as if you weren't <laughs> anyway. I just wanted to kind of involve you for half a second before I keep talking. Yeah. Um, so the there's there's four cycle or there's four stages. Uh, yeah. First being primitive, so it's that's what sort of starts defining. Um, tropes for that genre. Uh, uh, the nothing's really set in stone, and that's when we start getting an idea of what this genre is going to be. Um, classical is the idealistic version of the genre. That is, you know, where all the tropes have been established. That yep. is, uh, you know, everything we've come to expect. Um, revisionist is typically stylistically complex, um, and it it it's switching up a the uh, film genre a bit. So. Um, uh, usually conventions that have been established so far are exploited a bit, um, but they're ironic. Uh, however, it's still very much in that sure. vein. Uh, and then finally, we get to uh, parodic, 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 
parody, parodic. We're going to go with parodic. <laughs> I thought you said that word. Um, and that's outright mockery of conventions. So the best way I've seen this produced, or I've seen examples of this, is for Westerns, just because the Westerns have had a very clear yeah. uh, genre cycle. Um, so starting out with Primitive, we have the Great Train, Dra- Great train, train Robbery yeah. from 1903. It's one of the... it's. Widely considered to be the the first blockbuster. Yeah, um, it's a silent film, worth a watch. I think it's like ten minutes. Go ahead, watch it on YouTube. <laughs> Worthwhile. Um, then we get the classical. Uh, we don't get a classical western uh, until around like Stagecoach in the thirties, so yep. nineteen thirty nine. Um, Revisionist. We get High Noon in nineteen sixty nine. Uh, they start to play with some of those. Yeah, uh, and then a parody is Blazing Saddles seventy three, um, and that's you know. The definition of parody right there. Yeah. Um, so, first of all, we haven't found that with the superhero genre. We're not at that point uh, where I we've done close. a full cycle. I think that there has been some of those for sure. So, yeah. like, primitive, I think we look at Blade. I think we look at... Um, actually, no, maybe not even Blade. I, I would probably say... Um, it's Batman 89. Yeah. Or if we're Superman? Talking, I mean, Superman... Yes, but I think if we're talking about hype and blockbuster and taking over, uh, taking over uh, a segment of a popular culture, it's Batman '89. See, the only issue I have with that is that I don't think it defines genre. It in doesn't the same way though. Like it doesn't. But if we're talking about if we're talking about the blueprint for what's to come and blockbusters and the superhero as as the blockbuster. Then I, I I would I would put it as eighty nine Batman. I think I think Superman does a good job though, giving us a origin story. Gives us um uh you know like you, you kind of get a bit of a template in terms of um you get an origin story, you get introduced to the character, you see him do some stuff, fights a bad guy. You know? Sure. Um. So in terms of that, uh, there's a costume reveal at some point. <laughs> you know, like some of those d- conventions start being defined. I think we could potentially argue Batman eighty nine is classical even. Where that's more of those tropes have been cemented, right? Maybe. I, I mean, this is, it becomes almost academic at this point in terms sure. of, uh, of a conversation. I'd, if you want to do like traditional superhero, superhero stuff uh, without trying to have my comic book brain take over. Because <laughs> in, in that sense, it's, it's, it's Superman and then it's Spider-Man. Mm. For if you want to evolve into from a classic form, from yeah. primitive to classic. Uh, to Iron Man, uh, and then whatever we are now, right? But like, those would be the my three pillars. Yeah, and I think that um, I think one of the things is we haven't evolved to true parody yet. Like, do we have? We've seen I movies that have uh, that are maybe revisionist. They start playing with some of those themes. So, like, Kick Ass is a good example, or uh, there's that Rain Wilson movie, uh, Super. Super, thank you. Yeah. Um, that is also revisionist, but it's still definitely a superhero film, right? Yeah, I would, I would, I would argue that James Gunn's Suicide Squad is is borderline parody. Maybe, uh, but and, I, and within I, the genre, like in a serious take, not like it's not like laughing at superhero movies. It's very much still in the genre and still wants to be in the genre. But yeah. I do think it's it's an elevated type of parody uh, yeah. to where we are. Like we're playing with those those tropes for sure. Yeah, I don't think we're at a point where we're actively making fun of them. No, because I mean? because the genre is still making money. Well, and that's the thing. <laughs> like um, Blazing Saddles is you know you're you're ten years removed from the the absolute height. Yep. Of westerns, so yeah, it's time to make fun of them. 
Yeah. Oh, totally. And like, don't get me wrong. Some of these things, like this isn't just because we've hit blazing titles doesn't mean we can't have serious Westerns again. You know, yeah, obviously yeah. Unforgiven still happens. 310 to Yuma. Yeah. Um, uh, but, you know, there is definitely a bit of a life cycle to yeah. it. Um, so, first of all, I guess my argument would be we we aren't at that point. We aren't we're, we're truly parrying the uh, the genre yet. Or, or not consistently. Um, we can do with accidental parodies like Morbius. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think we have to take into account their intent. <laughs> Damn it. Um, uh, but it would be a better parody film than it is. <laughs> yeah. um, oh, man. That's good. Uh, so I've seen a few things where people compare Westerns to superhero films and say, okay, superhero films are going to go the way of the Western where suddenly they will be f- much fewer and far between because we had a lot of them for a little while there. Um, what's your take on that? Like, personally, I don't agree with that. I, I half agree with it. Okay. I don't, I think, uh, I don't think Marvel movies are going anywhere anytime soon. But I think anything outside of that you could you could look at it as a bubble that might go. Just oh, really? Because, yeah, just because I think, again, with the Marvel stuff, as long as you're going to make films that are connected to each other even loosely and have that feeling of, I have to go see the next one, I have to go see the next one, yeah. uh, because it leads up to the next thing. Uh, and now they're doing such a smart job with of sprinkling in the Disney Plus stuff to keep you satiated in sure. between. So it becomes a serialized thing, even if they're not connected, which is a again a kind of a wonderful thing that they've kind of ingrained into your brain. Yeah. But uh, but at the end of the day, for every good Marvel movie, there's there's a Morbius, and if if other studios keep putting out crap superhero movies, at some point you're going to those studios are going to have to take a step back and be like, I can't, we can't just pump two hundred million dollars in and make a hundred million dollars back. Yeah. Right. So at the end of the day, if we're talking, uh, you know, everybody's excited about Doctor Strange. Everybody's excited about uh, the Marvels. Everybody's excited about Black Panther two. Yeah. Who's excited about Craven the Hunter? Who's excited about Madam Web? Uh, are we true? I assume the stars of those films uh, you are may- stoked. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and Taylor Johnson is so excited to be Craven. Well, that's most more emotion than he's ever shown in any of his films. So. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, are and you know are, are we truly excited about DC movies? Like, how many of them are we really truly excited for? Sure, yeah. Uh, so I think, it, yeah, there's a bubble, but it's a bubble for everybody else, but Marvel and Disney. Um, and that's man, it's it's almost like I I script this for you because <laughs> you give me perfect transitions sometimes. Um, I first of all would agree. Yeah. Um, but I, I think secondly, I, I was. During some of this research, I, I came across a paper that talked about how these things aren't the same. Um, and, and one of the big things they mentioned is that uh, this is an industry that pumps money into things and gets money back, right? It, it uh, Westerns never represented the chunk of money that comic book movies do. No. So again, um, uh, 21 of the top 300 grossing movies in that 30-year period were, were Westerns. Um it's not nearly enough. No. Um, it, it, Westerns never carry the industry. Well, and as <laughs> to your point, to yeah. that point, um, Marvel and DC alone, uh, not even counting the Sony Spider-Man stuff, um, or sorry, 
the MCU <laughs> Spider-Man stuff is counted in this. Yeah, yeah. Okay. The uh, uh, Spider-Verse isn't, though. Okay. Um, but Marvel DC represent uh, 25% of domestic box office this, yeah. this decade. That's now, massive. That's domestic. So in fairness, um, there is some superhero films that don't do as well overseas as as other things. You know, sure. I think you start looking at, like, um, this is a little more the last decade. But uh, uh, some of those Transformers films did kind of terrible domestically, but amazing overseas. Yeah. Um, so you throw in the overseas, some of those numbers are going to do sure, yeah, a yeah, bit. Yeah. Um, but even so, 25%, that's ridiculous. Um, so to your point, we're getting a Marvel movie or we're getting a superhero movie yeah. every every month. Um, it would have to be damn near that. Like <laughs> if, if 25% of the movies released were Marvel DC, this would be too much. Yeah, yeah. So clearly they are doing extremely well. Yeah. Um, and the point this person made online was that ultimately the fact is there is too much money behind this for this to stop. Yeah. Westerns were easy to stop because ultimately there wasn't a lot of money behind them yeah. and there wasn't that much money getting taken out of them. Um, so this is a machine that will have to, will only stop when it is ground to a halt. Yeah. Um, and I think it's also really, really important to kind of take a step back and, and look at Westerns, not as a movie genre. If we take a look at comic books, Westerns, uh, were pop, Western comic books were popular when Western movies were popular. Sure. And they died out as well. The, and, and, yeah. and, you know, same with TV, like Gunsmoke and all that stuff. Uh, the Western genre wasn't a genre that failed just at movies. It failed as a as a cultural as a thing, thing. <laughs> which is fair, insane fair. to think about, right? But like yeah, it totally. just it just becomes, uh, you know, it, you don't play cowboys in the yard at the park anymore because there's TV now, and it's a, it becomes a different yeah. thing. And then you go to movies, there's TV and stuff like that. So that weird home on the range lifestyle kind of go goes away in the '60s and the '70s, uh, and it shows in the comics. But superheroes have been around. And they kind of die off a little bit in the 40s and the 50s, but they have been a mainstay in pop culture since 1960. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And so to this day, whether or not physical comic books make a lot of money or not, or graphic novels make money or not, they still exist. They're not going anywhere. Those characters aren't going anywhere. So in my mind, if if you can continue to make good movies, then those are going to stick around. That's a great point. Um, I think, to your point, some of the the brilliance of superheroes too is their ability to adapt in the way that the cowboy never could. Yeah. Um, partially just because the world moved on, you know. Sure. Like, um, but Captain America, as a good example, starts out as a uh, uh, propaganda tool. Yeah. Um, he's just, you know, the super soldier. He's just. Yeah. He's just still war bonds. Why war bonds? Exactly. <laughs> right. Um, and uh, but he's become. Uh, a, a a bigger symbol than that. Yeah. Um. And and I would say he even went through a period, even as a superhero, where he was still you know like Captain America. He was uh, representing the American way. Sure. Um. But has since, as the world became more globalized and and more connected, has become far more of a worldwide figure than he is just an American figure. Mm-hmm. And, and there's been multiple figu- uh, multiple stories in comics where he is, you know, betrayed by. Um, the the country he fights for. Yeah. Um. Uh. E- even if it's not like they literally stabbed him in the back, it's um. Uh. The comics have their own version of Watergate, where he suddenly 
decided he didn't know if this was the same country he yeah, yeah. he loved, you know. Um, and so he's become a more worldly hero. And so his ability to adapt makes it more relevant as well. Yeah. Um, and then there's the whole other side of, I think that maybe during the um, the height of of Western's popularity, um, people probably still had family and friends and stuff that could have theoretically been cowboys. You know? <laughs> um, kids, maybe their grandparents, you know, like they, they rode horses or they did yeah. this or that or the other thing. Everybody lived on a ranch. Um, yeah, exactly. Or at least you knew someone that did, you know, like, um, and I'm not saying, you know, back in the old days. Yeah, like, do you think the 1950s was Little House on the Prairie? <laughs> no, no, no. But I just mean that, that there was a little bit more relatability there in terms of yeah, you, yeah. you knew someone that did. Or, yeah, yeah. Um, and and I don't know anyone that lives on a farm, like at all. I don't think I have my whole life, um, or that, like, like works on a farm, like a true. Farm. Oh, like works on a farm? No. Well, no. like if you grow up, if your family farms, you were farming. <laughs> you know, like working yeah. as a child yeah. maybe isn't the the yeah. word we use. Our, but friend, like, our friend Carly works uh, lives on a farm. Works on a, was born on. A farm. Oh. Okay, well, you got fun. Well, you got one. You know, I got one. <laughs> but you I've wouldn't. Never you heard would. That, you wouldn't. You wouldn't know it if you looked at her. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Totally. Um, uh, well, so either way, I just mean I think that there's a, a degree of um, we've lost relatability there. Well, superheroes have constantly adapted. You know, well, and, it's not even grown. Ha- not even just adapted, but it, it, they they survive on having to adapt. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and, yeah. And evolve and all that stuff. So it's I think it's it's it's. You know, I think you opened earlier, you know, is superhero movies its own genre? Absolutely it is. Because nobody can do, no no other genres can do the thing that superhero movies do. Yeah. And, and yeah. that that includes the way they're, they're told, it's the way they're distributed, and it's the way, uh, and it's the way they're, they're watched, and the way they make money. Yeah. It's just not comparable to anything I don't think we've ever really seen. We've seen the blockbuster. Sure. But the the blockbuster could encapsulate a whole bunch of things. Mm-hmm. Right? At the end of the day, The Godfather was a blockbuster. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, absolutely. maybe in its own right. Uh, obviously, Jaws is the first blockbuster, so it precedes that. But uh, some big, you know what I mean. But, yeah. uh, but those are not genre films. Yeah. You know, but when we talk about superhero films and Marvel movies... Uh, what other movies have ticket releases two months beforehand, and seats that you have to get beforehand? Well, ticket releases that are <laughs> are uh promoted on TV. Yeah, like that's also mind blowing. Advanced sales, right? Yeah. Like it, it used to be just Star Wars. Yeah, <laughs> and that's the, all we had. <laughs> and it's and now you know again I, we I think we've mentioned it before, but at the, at the end of the day, it kind of blows my mind if you told. 12 year old Brendan, like, hey, one day, one day, you're going to have to buy Doctor Strange movie tickets two months in advance. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, you will not get to see <laughs> it doc- when you want to. Oh, yeah. See it. Like, like, why? Like, is it too expensive? Or yeah, like, yeah. It's like, no, it's just like, it, the theater will be full. And I'd be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> are we talking about the same Doctor Strange? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's, a, it's it just feels like a completely different thing to me. So. I guess my my question is then: You think that there's a possibility that this that that this is a bubble, and then it pops for people other than for every studio other than MCU? Yeah, and I, and and it won't pop for DC in the same way, right? Like DC will always go always away, have Batman, always go away, and then come back. Yeah, you sure. know, you know, you you will have stuff like 
Batman and Robin and then just quietly disappear until Batman begins. I honestly don't <laughs> think we'll ever have Batman disappear again. No, I, I probably you know? not. And they're going to keep trying at it and trying at it and trying at it because at the end of the day, even if it's a bad Batman movie, it's going to break even. Yep. And as long as Warner Brothers breaks even on those movies, they will keep trying until they make money. Yeah, like a break even is a sign for them to pivot and try <laughs> something a little bit different. Yeah. Not not try Batman. <laughs> Just get to bring in a different guy. Yeah, know? as long as they have Batman, they'll stick around. But for for every other studio, it's tough. You know, mm-hmm. for every success that Sony Sony has with a, a Spider Verse movie, uh, those animated movies, you know, are is 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 the eight hundred to a billion dollars worth the amount of uh, damage you're gonna do with a Morbius or a, or a Craven or a Madam Web movie? Hmm. Like probably. You know, <laughs> like because we're talking literally over a billion dollars. Yeah. So and Venom, right? Like, at some point, these bad movies are going to make money in spite of themselves as yep. well. So. Sure. Yeah. Like people will still see them, and 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 no, no shame. People will enjoy them, and you know, and like I, I, I truly think that you know there is always you can always find someone that enjoyed a movie that you know was generally deemed to be terrible. Um. So again. Always gotta take a shot at the Snyder Bros. <laughs> <laughs> like that wasn't even officially a shot. Though. I just mean, uh, like, truly, if you loved Morbius, go nuts. Like, we're not gonna stop digging at it. But go like, nuts. You are nuts. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I I I want to just read point blank a uh, a quote. James Dunn had had said uh, a couple of years back. Sure. Um, someone had asked him about um, the superhero genre and and what the uh, future of the the of those films looks like. And he said, uh, "We know about the way cowboy films went and the way war films went. I don't know. I think you don't have to be uh, a genius to put this and this together and see that there's a cycle to these sorts of films. You know, and that the only hope for the future of comic book and superhero films is to change them up um <laughs> thoughts i have my own thoughts but i'm curious i i uh i find it hilarious i'll take it i'll, I'll take a ton of heat for this mm. a ton of heat for this i find it hilarious that a guy who is sitting there and saying we have to change it up makes the same movie over and over and over again yes he, he does and I, I i actually i agree yeah um because he did change things up. If this if this quote was yeah. pre Guardians of the Galaxy, sure, yeah. you know, like maybe <laughs> I can see it. Um, I don't know if we've had enough MCU content by that point to really say, well, this needs to change. <laughs> you know, like I think I think there's a little bit of variety yeah. there already. Um, but this is a quote after he's put out Guardians Guardians of the Galaxy two. And then uh, the Suicide Squad. This is recent, then. Oh yeah, yeah, very recent. So the only way this 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 quote lands for me is if he's saying it's not him that needs to change, but like the studios need to put in people to make that change. Which, if we took a look at Marvel, that's exactly what they did. Phase two was James Gunn. Phase three was Taika. Sure. You know, so you can you can put people in place to make those changes. Yeah. Uh, maybe he himself needs to evolve as a filmmaker as well. I don't know. But if if that's what he means by that, I'm on board. If he means that, no, we need to start making different things, then maybe you need to look at the mirror. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think he means the studios. I sure. think that, that 
uh, he's really getting at the fact that um, he's now worked for DC and Marvel. Yeah. Um, they are both going after the same slice of the pie, effectively. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, and he's saying we need to do something more. Um, I've heard this argument online before that uh, uh, that Marvel movies aren't just superhero movies uh, and that they're already changing things up. Uh, oh. The the classic <laughs> one is that. Uh, uh, Captain America: The Winter Soldier is a uh, political sp slash spy thriller. Yeah, um, which I remember before that film came out. Uh, that's how some of it seemed. Um, the, the, the trailers, like the, I think it was mainly that Robert Redford was in it. And I was like, <laughs> okay, you know, that's like, a real maybe. movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and then it wasn't that. Don't get me wrong. Winter Soldier is, as far as I'm concerned, one of, if not the best film in the MCU. Um, yeah. Hard to hard to uh, disagree. Yeah. It's, uh, but it is squarely a superhero film. Yeah. Like it is not. It doesn't do anything um, as far as the structure is concerned no. that other MCU films no. don't already do. Yeah. And and the easiest way to think about it is it's 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 not a spy movie that just happens to have superheroes in it. It's sure. a superhero movie that just happens to have spies in it. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> um, and I think uh, in that same vein, or sorry, in, in the opposite side of that coin, though, um, is that there is some superhero movies that are kind of doing that. So um, Matt Reeves' The Batman huh. um, is basically a noir de detective film. Um, and I think that's far more, the argument is far better that that's a noir detective film that has Batman in it. Yes. Uh Versus the opposite, you know, yeah. like, um, uh, and, and don't get me wrong. I, I think that I can get a little bit of heat for that. That is still a Batman movie and it sure. is, you know, still squarely a Batman, a superhero film, yeah. but that's closer to the side of noir detective yeah. than but, I think basically any other, especially MCU movie has been to being another genre. Yeah. Than but that's, film. that's almost because of the way our perception is of Batman because of previous movies though. You know, it's weird to be like, Hey, this, this Batman movie is different because he's a detective. <laughs> I, what are we talking about here? Like a, he's the world's greatest detective. <laughs> That's the nickname. Yeah. Uh, so I, I found it funny when people were like, Oh, it was such a weird Batman movie that he was doing all this crime solving. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> but we've been so, we've been so, trained to think of batman in, in weird ways the last couple of years even up even the nolan stuff as, as good as they are he's not as detective-y in oh, those movies not. at all either yeah. right and then he's not and then obviously he's the murder machine the, the snyder yeah. version so it's weird to be like oh man that's how you make a batman movie you just read the comics yeah <laughs> <laughs> it makes no sense to me i just what i i'm i'm getting at here though is that i think it, like aside from MCU, because I don't see us having a change in the MCU movies. And frankly, again, I love them. Yeah. I don't want a change in them. Yeah. Um, but I, I think in order for us to avoid getting to a superhero bubble, and again, I don't know if we we're ever going to have that. Like the fact that people are still people are still paying money for these movies. Shang Chi made eight hundred million dollars, guys. Yeah, like it's it's not going anywhere. It's not going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but but if we do want to have some sort of variation in this genre, which I think would be welcome. Um, the the Matt Reeves method or technique is the way we need to go. Um, it, it they need to be a little bit more genre films that have that are about a superhero. Yeah. You know, um, 
Now, that all being said, you know, I, I think that there's very specific pairings that work. Like, they, that does put people in a box a bit. Um, because, you know, you can't have a noir detective film about, I don't know, like, uh, Mr. Freeze. I'd well, see, I'd maybe you could. But I, I just mean that there is – we're a little bit more limited. Um, you can't have a – oh, man, I'm going to set myself up again. Here we go. <laughs> uh, we can't have a romantic comedy about the Green Goblin. I'd watch it. Nope. Uh, <laughs> I just – like it, it definitely – there is only certain matchups that are going to work for that then. Yeah. Um, and And I grieve the fact that we didn't do more of a spy thriller thing for Black Widow. Um, you know, I haven't like when this episode is filmed, Doctor Strange 2 is announced. Um, that was initially supposed to be quite a horror film, yeah. uh, or lean more into that. I don't think it's going to be. Yeah. Um, and and there's and the cracks are forming, right? It's not to say that it's not ever not possible, but the cracks are forming in terms of even Marvel Eternals. Uh, the quality of Black Widow, even if people, some people might like it, and it's just not a good movie. Uh, you know, or or not as or good. no, not as good yeah, in terms yeah, of the yeah. bar of what they've set the table for yeah. already. Uh, and then yeah, and then Eternals trying something new, even changing up the formula, even just a touch. Yeah, caused a lot of weird, like caused a lot of backlash. Yeah, totally. Uh, you know, it it made money in spite of itself, but not Marvel money. So, no. you know, so a reactionary, I mean, if I took a look, if I was just a a movie producer guy and you put all that, those facts on the table, I'd be like, well, just go back to making the movies that made us $800 million. Yeah, then. yeah, yeah, totally. What's the, what's the problem? And that's exactly what they're going to do until it doesn't work anymore. But those guys are going to be smart enough that they'll, they'll find the pivot, right? And even now under the guise of a multiverse... That's all sheen, right? Like that's it. It feels different, and look at all the wacky things that they can do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing changes. Yeah, <laughs> they they effectively end up being the same, or like yeah, and they're all they're all MCU. Yeah, they're all. Yeah. And and we've talked about this many times about how the fact that there is, um, you know, out of the twenty five or whatever, there's five or six that that rise above the rest and seem to yeah. really shine and stand out. Um, and then there's, you know. Probably two or three that seem really bad, um, or like, or noticeably worse than the rest. Yeah. Um, and then there's like the rest in the middle, and uh, and they're good, they're consistent, they yeah. are fun. I have enjoyed them, and I will watch them again. Yeah. Um, but it is extremely hard to take a look at Doctor Strange and Ant Man and go, <laughs> which one of these is better than the other? Because it's sort of. Different shades of vanilla, you know, <laughs> yeah. like vanilla is delicious, yeah. but you shove it all in there yeah. and you can't really tell the difference, yeah. you know? Um, so there's a little bit of carny in the Marvel stuff though, right? Like, like it feels like guys promoting something new when it's not really new at all. Like, <laughs> uh, you know, like, uh, oh man, Professor X is in Doctor, St- uh, Doctor Strange. And I'm like, yeah, but we, we got three Spider-Mans. Like, is that going to be, yeah, no, this is different. This is going to be a different thing. Yeah. I'm like, is it? Because the only difference to me is that Professor X will be funny in this. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and you, yeah, you might be right. Um, like, and it's funny though because we talk about stuff like this, and then I find myself getting excited for Professor X. Sure, you know, like we're yeah. talking about this in a cynical way, but then I still am like, well, like, screw you, 
man. Like, yeah. wait, hold on. I'm, I'm still. And that's the thing too is, is like I I do talk about it cynically because I I always have, but I I'm I'm there first day. Yeah, yeah. I enjoy yeah. them for what it is. I enjoy the conversation afterwards. Sure. I but I am very self aware of what these movies are, and that sounds yeah. pretentious as hell. Yeah. But <laughs> but I know what I'm doing. I know I'm part of the wheel. I'm, yep. I'm part of the cog, and I, I I I throw my money in, and then I and I sit here and I bitch and I moan about why I why do I do it? <laughs> <laughs> um. So I, I guess how do we how how do they evolve from here? Like, it, is it about becoming genre films or becoming uh, shifting genres, or is this just a matter of like I, I guess. What I'm getting at is, is if we have, call it 12, 12 is too many. If we have eight superhero movies a year, yeah. even if they start pivoting to other genres, is there going to be a point where we just can't deal it with it anymore? You know, like no, because I, I it's it's tough in, in my mind. It's it's because you you they're they're interconnected. It's one thing, it's one thing to be like we're going to make. Uh, four Michael Keaton Batman movies and four Christopher Reeve Superman movies, but they have nothing to do with each other. Sure. But if you're telling me in a year I have to watch eight movies and six of them have to do with each other, <laughs> that's a different thing. It's serialized, right? Yeah. And it keeps you coming back. It's the, it's the reason why people watch TV weekly. You know, it's the reason why people binge watch things. So, and I don't know what the evolution of that is because that's the evolution. That's never been done before. It's not a, like yeah. it's not. They're not sequels. They're not sequels. No. They're just no. They're not. They just live in each other peripheral, which is an insane thing to think about for movies. So I don't know what the evolution is because that's already it. Yeah, it's a really good point. I think the then they're not sequels thing is is worth unpacking a bit. Just that, um, uh, you can't go and watch. I don't know. The, yeah, Godfather Part Two without having seen Godfather Part One. Yeah, um, and you will be lost if you watch that sequel without having seen the original. Yeah. Um, however, the MCU movies are designed as much as you want to have. You know, like you don't get all the nuances mm-hmm. and stuff without having seen everything. Um, but they are designed that you can pick up any one of those movies yeah. completely removed from the others and still enjoy it and kind and have an idea what's going yeah. on you know you get a quick introduction of oh this is the god of thunder you know uh and so if you haven't seen a single thor movie you're going to be still fine yeah, like, yeah you're yeah. going to be able to enjoy thor ragnarok yeah. on its own and on the other side of that they're also completely designed to grab uh somebody who has no interest into it in a shang chi movie but because two people show up in a bumper credit for 30 seconds yeah you gotta see it yeah right it's <laughs> it, it, yeah it, i guess they're both more like they're 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 less connective than a than a true sequel yeah but they're also more connective than a true yeah sequel. It's, it's really 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 strange um, it's like a weird quilt yeah yeah that's a good <laughs> that's a good great point um so uh, outside of mcu though do we does does dc and sony do they need to start in a, like are, are we only going to get popular or successful spider-man films if they're in the spider-verse um uh, bracket, it, you know, is it are the only non MCU Spider Man films that are going to be truly successful in the way that No Way Home is? Um, uh, going to be animated ones, 
you know, like, <laughs> because I have a hard time sitting here and thinking, oh, Craven the Hunter is going to be um, the the next best entry or Madam Web. Yeah. I'm um, like Craven the Hunter at the very least has a history with comic books. Um, you know, like I know the character. I have no idea who Madam Web is. Like when it when I heard of casting, I texted you and said, "Who is she?" And you went, eh. <laughs> not knowing you were asking that she was going to be in a movie. And when I found out she was in a movie, I was like, "Why? <laughs> yeah, what is this?" <laughs> you know. So there, yeah, you. But it, it. But so much of it still has to be the right creative people, right? Like, yeah, the Spider Verse stuff doesn't work without Lord and Miller. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and and we can sit here and bag on Morbius or Craven all we want, but if you put a good, you put a creative team on that, or people I get excited about, you never know. You never know if you're gonna get kick ass, or if you never know if you're gonna get. You know, even Batman Begins. You just don't. Sure. You don't know. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, but they're gonna keep trying, and 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 the the that's to me is where where it falls apart. Is it? It just doesn't feel like there's effort. It feels like yeah. everything everything is a race and everything is a band-aid job of being like, well, let's just get it out there and just start building this thing so we can get to a Sinister Six movie and that'll be that'll be the thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, like, that'll be our big one. That'll yeah, be the sure. big one. But I, but if you took the time and just made six really good movies, then more people will go see Sinister Six. Well, and, and that's interesting just because I know that the time constraints for MCU stuff are, are quite strict. Like yeah. there is, um, you know, they'll they'll put a release date down and say this is when we're releasing whatever before they've really had or sorry typically they're good about not announcing a title or what sure. that is they have their release dates figured out for the next decade but um but they don't say who what it is and what is it who's attached to it until they have someone that yeah, is, yeah you know so they'll attach someone to the project first and then they'll announce oh it's you know whatever um nope not gonna think of anything anyway uh, <laughs> but it's whatever film yeah. um and so at the very least they have the creative lined up first. It's better than them saying, oh, we're going to bring out Thor 5, but Tycho already said he's not going to come back. So we'll figure it out, <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, uh, None of that's true, by the way. Uh, but, um, <laughs> I just mean, you know, I, I You heard that, it here first. <laughs> <laughs> I just mean that um, uh, if you're attaching people to, like, they seem to be going about it the right way. They're yeah. not like saying, well, you know, we only have four years and we have no one ready to do this project. Um, so that's a little bit better. Um, you know, in the, the lack of effort is a, is a great point because the Morbius is another example. There's a great example of, you know, the screenwriters attached to that have had failure after failure. Like there's no reason that they should still be getting work, work in Hollywood at all, much less bigger and better work. You know, like they're getting more money yeah um so like i think their movie just before morbius was gods of egypt um and that was terrible like i didn't even see it and i know it was terrible you know like um it they're the definition of failing upwards yeah and um and it it doesn't give me hope that they're putting the effort in you know like uh i think it's also really really important to to, to state and this is going to be a little bit broad in terms of of painting every like a, a segment of people but it for for casual moviegoers uh, they put blockbuster they roll blockbusters and superhero movies in the same they paint them with the same brush 
Sure. You know, so when we talk about things like a superhero genre bubble, it's very specific. But if I was to talk about a random moviegoer, they would consider the Transformers movies a part of that or the Ghostbusters movies mm. a part of that. And that's just a very different thing in, like, yeah. in my mind. Yeah. Because that's the bubble. It's not the Is Marvel blockbuster movies. films or popular it's films. Blockbuster or? films are mm. the bubble. If we're talking about it, it won't. And like, yeah, we talked about Sony and maybe DC, but that's where I would lump those in is as 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 people are are big studios are starting to fight for 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 screen time in the theaters with Marvel and Disney constantly they're just going to keep putting out crap and it's going to be mm-hmm. a, a tougher thing for those companies to keep putting in hundreds of millions of dollars and losing money yeah yeah that's an interesting yeah. point that's um, where my bubble would be would be the actual genre film blockbuster not Marvel movies yeah um, the and I guess it depends on how you look at a bubble because my thing with a bubble is what do bubbles do? They burst. Yeah, blockbusters are never going to burst. Well, they'll like burst. Ever. They'll burst in the sense that you know, you know, we used to. It used to be the summer blockbuster. Yeah, it's no longer the summer. Now blockbuster. it's all year. It's all year. Yeah. So if to me, some of uh, the blockbuster burst would be like it's back to just May through July. Oh, interesting. It'd be, I it would, would be shocked, frankly, to see that. Yeah. I, I don't think we're ever going to get to that point. Either, but again, right? like, but we're we're you're talking about it like there's not a Marvel movie in February, November, December. Yeah. So, but those are the, but those are Marvel movies. So if you take those out, oh, we're talking blockbusters. Yeah, yeah those yeah. aren't going to be around much longer, and they will just be put in the place of where Marvel movies aren't, which are not very many places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I think we've really noticed that during the pandemic as well um, because whenever a, a major studio in particular like Marvel, but uh, Disney basically just shifted their whole release schedule at once. Whenever Disney shifts that schedule... Everybody shifts. Everyone has to because suddenly they're like, well, now we're opening up against Doctor Strange too, yeah. and we couldn't do that. Like, there's no <laughs> way. So now no. suddenly they're like, well, I guess we'll bump it a little bit further down the line. Yeah. And it's not um, even, it's weird too. Cause it's like, it's not even like day of, it used to be like, oh, we can't open the same day of Dr. Strange. Now it's like, well, we can't open the same month. Yeah. 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 As Dr. Strange. <laughs> like maybe if they're, if they're different enough films, they, they'll say, oh, we can do the next week or two weeks. We'll do it two weeks <laughs> out, you know, but even then there's 52 weeks in the year guys. Yeah. Um, you know, like, and then, it's a sliding scale. Like they bump out two weeks and then the next project is like, well, we're even smaller than those guys. So we're going to bump out. And then, you know, like it's a whole triple or trickle effect. Like that's the reason we're getting a Top Gun movie releasing theoretically this year. Um, (laughs) Who knows? Uh, One day. (laughs) But like, I saw the same trailer for that movie for like three years. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it was initially supposed to be summer 2020. Um, and yeah. uh, the shift has been crazy. Yeah. I actually think Top Gun Maverick is the um, the most shifted film uh, pandemic-wise. Yeah, probably. Um, I believe it was Bond initially, and then that came yeah. out. So I mean, uh, we're at this point, we're pretty close to like seeing like an in-memoriam to Tom Cruise. <laughs> <laughs> When this thing finally gets released. Oh, man. Yeah. As he yeah. tragically dies on the set of Mission Impossible 12. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's basically all I have to say on the... No, it's, I think it was great. On the topic. Um, yeah. So let us know if we're wrong. 
Let us know if we think as always. Idiots. Yeah, as always. And we uh, said we said a lot of stupid things here today. There was a few things I know <laughs> are not going to or may not age well. You know, like yeah, um, yeah. and yeah, I will see you next week.